We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, welcome to True Faith Weekly Podcast Special Edition this week. Uh, I'm Alex Hurst and I'm joined by Colin Whittle and Peter Fanning of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Today, we're here to talk to you for half an hour or so about the upcoming fan ownership conference uh, entitled Whose Club Is It Anyway? So, Peter, why don't you tell us a little bit about the conference? Okay, thanks, Alec. Um, well, I think the Trust uh, shares the concerns of, of most, if not all, of Newcastle fans about the way in which the, the club is run at the minute. And I think it was brought um, it was brought into sort of stark light when even Alan Shearer, speaking on, on, on Match of the Day, was talking about how the you know, there's something wrong at the club from top to bottom and, and, and a change of manager wasn't necessarily going to just, just put that right. Now, I think most of us are really pleased about the um, about the manager that we have brought in, so that's a, a fantastic start and it looks like for once the club's shown a little bit of ambition. But there's 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 more about the club which is, is wrong. And um, the point I think that the Trust keep trying to make is that whoever owns the club and I mean these days the fashion is for it to be um, some kind of, um, of, of of billionaire who is often disconnected from what's going on at the at the front end and even Mike Ashley recently has been trying to kind of distance himself from the, the problems that are going on um, at the level of, of, of um, the team and the, the, the manager and, uh, and what have you um, and there shouldn't be that disconnect between the fans and, and the people who own the club, and so what we're trying to do is is to, is to bring that into the kind of public um, domain and to have a discussion about it. And so we've organised a conference for the um, the 29th of, of April, Friday afternoon, and uh, we've invited a whole series of speakers from around the country who have got some different experiences of how um, football clubs can can be owned and, and run. And for us, it's about Asking that question, um, whose club is it? Because as a trust, we believe it's the fans' club. Um, but what we do want to show is that there's a whole set of different models of ownership out there, um, and it can be done a different way. And that's what we uh, we want to really encourage people to come along and listen to some of these um, speakers who can give us um, the experience of how sports clubs, particularly football clubs, can be run in a different way um, but also for them to come along and join in the debate that we're going to have at the end about what we believe about how Newcastle United could be a community club and how it could be much closer aligned to what's going on in the city. 
I think um, Colin, uh, I think you know we've we've discussed this a few times, haven't we? And, yeah, uh, I mean the, uh, uh, at the trust, it's a fair summary uh, what Peter's outlined there because if you look at the um, different ownership models that you've got throughout Europe, and the one that I always is mentioned is what's happening in Germany, where fans um, have got fifty-one percent ownership of the club, and the prices all are fine for supporters. The the quality of football is good. It shows it can be done in another way. And originally people used to talk about, oh, you kind of do it in this country and you sort of seen smaller clubs who got into trouble financially and going bust, the supporters were helping them out. But then you've seen clubs that have started up from scratch, where it be AFC Manchester or, in our case, you've got AFC Wimbledon, um, who are in what I call the fourth division. I think it's the second now or something like that. But I call it the fourth division. But even recently, we've got Swansea in the Premiership with an element of fan ownership and it just shows that it, there are different models out there the model um, that people associate with clubs i.e. a billionaire owner is not necessarily the right model throughout um, football and certainly examples that we've seen in other countries and in our country show that there is another way of doing things and one of the things about the conference is hopefully we'll be able to explore that in a bit of detail as Peter has outlined a very interesting column um, yes, it sounds absolutely brilliant so for fans listening to this, um, how how Peter how how can they get involved? Where where is it? When is it? And what do they need to do? Is it simply just a turn up on the day? Um, no, what we would like them to do is to um, is to contact us through the the trust website, and we'll be putting some um, information out in the next few days so that there's um, there's a, there's a, uh, information on the website which will um, give them more details. But essentially, it's um, it's Friday afternoon, 29th of April. It's going to be um, starting at about between 12 and 12.30 um, at um, Northumbria University. We've got the uh, Rutherford Hall in the Ellison Building at Northumbria University. And we um, we'll hope to kick off at, at 12.30 and probably run the afternoon through to about um, 5 o'clock. Now, the shape of it... Is that we're going to um, we're going to look at some of the the sort of national picture first because there's people I think you know some may know there's been um, recently an expert working group um, which produced a report about um, among other things uh, fan ownership and, and fan engagement. So we've got Kevin Miles, who's the um, the chief executive of the Football Supporters Federation. He was part of that that working group. Um, who were advising the government on issues around fan ownership and, and fan enga- engagement, um, and he's going to come along. And he's opening the uh, the session in the afternoon to talk about what the the national picture is in terms of uh, of, of, of this subject. Big Newcastle fan, though. He's a, big, got his he's a big Newcastle fan, and he's actually a member of the um, of the supporters trust as well. And he's, he takes a, a very keen interest, obviously, in what happens. Um, what happens at Newcastle United, but he has a, a fairly high-profile um, national uh, position, and many of you might have seen him recently when um, when the the thirty-pound cap on away fans um, tickets was was being publicised because it was uh, it's Kevin's organisation, the FSF, who were really at the forefront of that, and they were being supported by the likes of of, of the supporters trusts around the country, including including Newcastle United supporters trust we were all active in, in, in helping the FSF and uh, pushing that one forward so Kevin's going to come along and open the, um, the session and talk about the national sort of picture we've also got um, in that early part of the session um, Ian Mains who's the MP for Gateshead 
and he actually chairs the All Parliamentary Football Supporters Group, and he's very keen to, um, I think, to get the message across about what what we're local politicians or what any of our politicians can do to try and help um, the position of, of, of football fans when they're, they're trying to engage with, uh, with 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 their football club owners, because I think as any of you who are watching the the national press at the minute will know. Mr Ashley is not very keen on engaging with um, with members of parliament um, in any area of his business interest. Um, so for us to try and get some kind of engagement on um, on football club matters is very difficult. Uh, Ian Mains MP wants to come along and just talk about what um, what role perhaps the, the local MPs can uh, can play in that. Yeah, another big Newcastle fan Ian again. <laughs> He is. He's, uh, he's a he's a season ticket holder and uh, and he travels to most, if not all, of the uh, of the away games. So he takes his uh, his position as a Newcastle fan very seriously. Um, we've also got after that we've got a number of people from um, other football clubs or in in, in fact um, other sports clubs um, who are going to talk about their experiences. We've got um, someone coming across from Carlisle United. Because whilst they're a much smaller club than, than, than Newcastle United and, and they're in the lower divisions, they're going to talk to us about how um, they've worked with uh, one of their trust members being on the board of Carlisle United and just really to demonstrate that a situation like that can work. It's not without its difficulties because the, they've talked to us before about how there are issues of confidentiality if you're a board member. Um, in terms of what you can and can't then publicise as a trust member um, but it's not a problem that's insurmountable it's something that can be done um, and I think it's also timely because if you think about um, what was happening in, in, in Cumbria and in Carlisle at the time of the floods recently how the community got together and helped and, and the football club played a major part in, in helping the community and the community played a major part in helping the football club when you think about the um, the pictures on the television of the of the pitch being you know under several feet of water, so it's really about it goes to the heart of what we're talking about as a trust, which is about Newcastle United being a community football club. We don't believe it is at the minute. We don't believe it understands even what that concept is, um, but we think there's there's examples out there of, of how it can work, and Carlisle is one of those examples. Very interesting. I'll just, just uh, back of what you say. So, first of all, the event is absolutely free of charge to anyone listening. There's no cost for entry. Uh, the website, which he alluded to, is the, the trust website. It's nust.org. Or just Google the Newcastle United Supporters Trust and you'll get there. And, on, and as Peter says, over the next few days, next few days, I presume, there's going to be a lot more information about how to attend the event, how to make sure you get your name down. Um, Colin, I suppose my next question for you is, I can I can totally see the the, the benefits of, of holding a conference like this. Is is this an event to try and broaden the trust's appeal to the wider football and support and community? I take it you're trying to get as many people to come down to this yeah, event and engage as possible. I think that's part of it, and part of it is to just engage us with support as in general with regard to the alternative models that are available. Because we're we're all watching while Mr Ashley runs the club in the in the way that it's being run, and I think our point is that there's different ways of running football clubs. There's different models of ownership at football clubs. And I think Newcastle United, it's always put forward by everybody as like a, the, the ground sitting on the top of the cathedral at the top of the hill. It's like a central point in the city. It means so much to, to so many people. And and I think from our perspective, it's that 
it brings the community together, the locality, the city council, the local stakeholders. You know, I remember there's times when you know we've been doing really well. I've obviously got a very good memory, <laughs> and um, but you know you would walk through the town after the match, and some old lady would stop you and say, "How did we get? How did we get on the day? Not how did Newcastle get on? How did we get on the day?" And I think that's the thing about it. You know, you everybody. We're a one club city, and I think it means so much. And you talk to people who come up here, and I think they recognise all that. And there's so much more we could do, and we could we could be as a club and you know we've already got the benefits we've got a massive fan base 52,000 in attendance we've got a stadium massive stadium in the city centre right right in the heart of the city where everything's happening we've got you know potential future growth we're in the Premier League at the moment with all the money that can bring in um, and the club themselves have even released I think in one of their accounts that the exact wording was something along the lines of that they wanted to operate without reliance on external um, debt or additional long-term finance from the owners. And this proves to me that, you know, if you're buying the club and you can get ownership of the club, and I accept, you know, you've got to have a willing, willing seller and, and everything else, but the, the issue is that once your club is in your ownership, it can sustain itself. And certainly the money that's coming in to the Premier League at the moment would be enough to, for the club to sustain itself. You just look at Swansea as the example of, of a team in the Premier League with an element of support or ownership there and it can be done and it, it's, it's difficult to get that done in the English game because obviously people are opposed to it and generally the people who are opposed to it are, are those who are going to lose something out of it but we think for the long term benefit to support us alternative models should be looking at so, uh, so ideally what we want to be able to do is broaden out on the day show people all the different examples that, that are there in football the more we get to the conference the better we'll, we'll feed information to the to uh, trust members, to Newcastle supporters, and the general public, and hopefully we can get as much of the message out as we possibly can. You know? I, I think just following on from that, just to, again coming back to um, some of the people that we've got coming along to, to, to talk to us, I think you'll, if you do come along, you'll find that there's some real interesting um, backstories to be heard, because um, we've got, for example, we've got. Um, Representatives coming along from from the Leeds United consortium who are currently trying to um, to, to 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 buy Leeds United. Who, um, whatever we we all might think as Newcastle fans about Leeds United, because we always used to hate them because they were they, big rivals. Didn't they? they were they were like our nearest rivals that we were bothered about because the, there was a small town in Durham just just <laughs> which had a football team which didn't really in any way compete with what Leeds United used to do um, so they were kind of our big northern rivals and if you look at what's happened at Leeds United over the last few years um, and I mean you know we can mostly you don't have to be too old to be able to remember when they were um, competing in, in, in the European Cup and what have you um, but the, the, that the stories behind what's happened and what's been done to that club by the owners not just the current owner, but previous owners. It's incredible, and I've got to say, it's worse than what we might think is happening at the minute. With um, even under the Ashley regime, that club has clearly been asset stripped in a way which has just um, almost brought it to its knees. When it was, it was, it's a big club, and it and it, it it shouldn't be. You know, fans of Leeds United shouldn't be treated the way the way they are. 
Um, so there's a consortium at Leeds who are trying to buy the club from their current owner, who's a an Italian businessman with um, some kind of some some dubious background. I have to say, and it's an example of when Colin mentioned earlier about an unwilling seller. We know at the minute we don't have a willing seller at Newcastle. Um, they have an unwilling seller, depending upon which day of the week you speak to him, because. Um, at some point recently he offered to sell the whole club to the fans now the consortium were looking to buy into the club they were suddenly presented with a, a situation where he said I'm going to sell the club to the fans so raise the money and I'll sell it and they had to really rethink their strategy but they were trying to do that and he's changed his mind again so they still haven't gone through that process yet but they are going to come and talk to us about what that's like being um, part of a consortium that are fairly close to um, a position where they may be able to buy a, a club like Leeds United and, and have it fan owned um, because we do believe there is again there is a different way and it, even a club the size of Leeds United could actually be owned by its fans at some time in the near future. Leeds is always a club that resonates with me because when I was a lad in a, a few years ago that's where I always had my biggest rivals were Leeds um, ahead of Sunderland and I'm talking early 70s and I think it was the first ground I ever went to for away games and I remember some of the games we didn't have a bad record there sort of even when we got it was we were getting into the 80s etc but it was always a massive club and, and obviously you then got into the Champions League etc and you look at them and, and look at them now and you think that could happen to us these guys are in the same position that we supporters could be in one day through the failure of the owner to own it in a in a in a manner that protects the club you know owners and players come and go but we are the supporters or the people who, who are always there you know you, you look at the attendances that, that are in Newcastle over the years and it's just other, other fans are amazed at the fact that we get 52,000 turning up and you know some people say well we're one worst enemies but it's that drug for the club basically that you that your people kind of give up and you know you've got a fan base that is equal to any club in the country as far as I'm concerned and um, you know we just don't engage with it we don't utilise it could be a massive power for the club if you really took what the fans could offer and, and bundled it up and, and used it a bit better than it is used today um, and, and Leeds are a, a club that I always look at and think well if, that, if it happens to them that could happen to us one day Absolutely I think the other thing is um, what we also have is, is kind of um, the direct opposite of that um, in that we've got representatives coming along from Hearts um, in, in, in Scotland and whilst Hearts is a smaller club than, than what Newcastle United is or, or what, what Leeds United is um, they have a, a, a very different model there where they again were um, they went through a period where they were bought by a, a Russian owner and, and, and literally again an asset stripping operation followed um, but what's happened is um, a millionaire or a very rich um, Hearts fan um, set up a company and bought Hearts off the um, the Russian owner and the woman who's, who's done that has done it with the intention of um, selling the club to the fans so she set up a company bought Hearts and just selling it back in chunks to the fans as they raise an appropriate amount of money, they buy a chunk of the of the club. And so when you've got a willing seller who clearly sees it as, if you like, her legacy, she, she's bought and saved the club, 
which has done it with the view to giving the club back to the fans when they raise the money for that. Um, and that's a completely different picture to Leeds, and it's a different picture certainly to what we've got here. But wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, Mr Ashley was sort of uh, inspired by that story and thought, well, OK, um, I've just said in the local press, I'm not going to sell the club, you're stuck with me. Well, rather than being stuck with each other, which is kind of the way he described it, what if he was to say, look, let's work together to try and transfer ownership of this club to the fans? I mean, you know, I know it's pie in the sky and people will laugh at the idea, but hearts have just shown that if you get the right kind of idea and you get the right kind of person in the right place, it's something that can be done and, and she's actually helping the fans to buy the club. You know? Very interesting. Uh, so you, I can see, looking at the schedule for the day here, you've got a, a variety of speakers, as you say, who will cover various uh, aspects of fan ownership across the country. Um, I noticed the next, the next week you've also got cross-sporting fan ownership stories to tell so uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what Durham County uh, County Durham Cricket Club will add to the day and the people who attend um, for them we've got the Chief Executive from Durham County Cricket Club David Harker to come along and talk to us um, and this it, it's this is going to be an interesting one because um, the Cricket Club is is a is a prime example of, of, of a big sporting club in its in its own sport, um, which which basically was was on it was was going out of business and, and needed to be saved by somebody, and it was saved by the local community. It was saved by its fans actually um, putting the money in and saving the cricket club, and from there it went to um, to become one of the the, the, the prime county. Um, championship um, cricket clubs in the country, and I'm no cricket fan. I'm not. I can't even tell you the details of how they did that or how long it took to do that. But I know they've got an interesting story to tell. What we've got to acknowledge and accept is the um, the the club have taken it a step further, and they've they found that in in their sort of world of sport, they've had to then um, look to change again because they became so big and so successful um, and the way the cricket contracts work where if you've got great players you lose them to the, the international team and you actually don't have them it's a, there's, a, there's a complicated sort of finance world there that operates in cricket it would seem um, and they actually now have um, private owners um, who have invested or private investors who've come in to help um, inject cash into the club um, so that they can continue to operate at the level that they've, um, they, they, they've, they've reached. But the journey from being almost out of business to where they are today is an interesting one, and it is all about fan ownership. And that's why we're hoping that David Harper is going to come along and tell us the story and how it worked in cricket. You know, I like Peter. I mean, I'm, I don't know much about cricket, but you know, the, the, the rely on a lot of local talent. The local talent goes through the youth team, through the reserves if you have a reserve team in cricket or whatever cricket yes, has into the first team and then into the England squad you've seen you know Steve Homerson big big mag, mag um, playing for England best fast bowler in the world these are people who've come through through the ranks now I'm not saying you know John Hall talking about the vision of a, of a team of Geordies well yeah an ideal world that would be great but would you know, we don't produce any of them and that, that's that's sort of the opposite end and there's a there's a room in the middle for a little bit they're certainly showing that 
how you can develop your own own players and bring them through it. And although it's not football, it's a story of community ownership within sport and more importantly, local sport as well uh, onto the world stage. So it's interesting. Yeah, I'm I totally agree. I, I like to think I know a little bit about cricket and the, certainly our Durham are a, a huge success story. I mean, Durham have managed to maintain the success, like you say, whilst providing the England team, which has also gone through a period of unparalleled success with its best players, a lot of its, a lot of its best players. So I think there's a tremendous story to be doing there. Uh, why doesn't one of you talk me through the launch of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust Community Club Manifesto? Well, what we've got is we want to put out the aims of, of the trust, or just clarify them again, talking about the club as a community club, talk about the benefits to supporters, to the club. What we want to be able to do is to establish the principles that we see as a future community-owned club, how it would look, the structure. A lot of people get carried away thinking, the trust, oh, do you want to pick the team? Of course we don't want to pick the team. You know, We're not capable of picking the team, but what you'd like to have if you had a supporters who controlled the club or were involved in the control of the club is to have a, a professional structure in place where you were getting you know, appropriate chief executives in place who were managing a board, who were managing the, the correct people at the correct level, bringing in the best managers, bringing in the best players, overseeing that with, with a benefit to the community as well and all, all having a common aim. And you know, we think that Newcastle is, a, is the best of all clubs that could potentially be a, a proper community club um, with with local ownerships in all sorts of levels from fan level to stakeholder ownership and involvement and what we wanted to do was to use the conference to to get out our message but also to provide a broad statement on what we think a community owned club and supporter owned club would look like going forward and I think you know having looked at, at our position statement a lot of the things that we say in that statement are things that yeah that's that seems a good idea it's fairly common sense it's the sort of thing that as a supporter I would look at and say oh, that's what I want my club to look like to be um, you know a, a club that reflects the, the support and the, the locality the city and everything in the local environment and I just I just don't think it does at the moment um, but I think you know if we had an element of fan ownership we had more fan involvement more influence in there rather than being ignored and I think we could greatly assist the club with the, the club don't really sort of appreciate what a what a wealth of um, support they have on their own doorstep, don't tap into it at all we'll have the, the fans forum and a, a few emails which we get and that's engagement, well that's not the sort of engagement I think that we think is required I think and we I mean, can look I, much better than that I think if you just look at how um, the, the Newcastle United is, is, is perceived around, like nationally around the country in, in, in a number of levels including at the minute where owner and the club is being challenged by um, the government because he won't uh, appear in front of a, a committee and ask and answer questions about his, his other his main business interest and the club is being taken through a, a, an industrial tribunal at the minute by um, an ex-player who was one of the kind of crowd favourites, and the the club is, is there's there's such an obvious disconnect between how the club is run and the people who support that club that um, we think it's just there, there is another way, and that's what I keep repeating. There is another way, and we all know 
that we're not there to be on the board and, and, and to run the club ourselves or to be the manager and pick the team. But these days, there's kind of three main income streams for the club. There's the football, there's the television money, and we've got to kind of keep our premiership place to, to, to get that guaranteed. Um, there's the, the, the bums on seats of, of the crowd. Well, we have 50,000 turning up even when we're, we're crap. Because we're winning nothing at the minute, yet we've got we've got a you know almost full ground, um, and then you've got the commercial income, the commercial side. But we we just don't compete at all with with the, the the clubs in the Premiership that we should be competing with. Now the easy one to compare us with is Man United, who have got about 150 million pounds worth of commercial income. We've got about 20 million pounds worth of commercial income, but. We don't even compete with the likes of, of Everton and Tottenham and, and, and teams like that. So we just think that there's a di- you know there's more to be done in terms of um, taking the club forward, but it should be done in a way which links with um, the local um, political um, structure. They should be working with the city council. It should be part of what's happening in the northeast. When we go on pre-season tours and what have you, you know, why couldn't there be some kind of civic and um, local business um, group go with them to promote the the city of Newcastle and the northeast of England, and rather than it being simply about promoting a, a sports retailer? Um, and if if the club kind of got it, if the club just better understood how passionate the people in this area in this region are about um, about community I mean it was demonstrated when we took Wonga on as well, blinking sponsors that how wrong that just felt right across the whole of the of the region and for them not to understand that, even if it was the best financial deal, I don't know whether it was or it wasn't don't know the details of that, but it was just wrong for Newcastle United and I think those sort of things are what we want people to talk about if they come along to the conference, we'll be doing the at the end and the, the sort of panel end, end of things. We'll be just outlining what this um, community ownership um, manifesto, if you like, um, really means for the trust. What we think it means, anyway, and we'll be, you know, we will be welcoming views from other people about what that sounds like to them, um, and it'll also be an opportunity for them at that part of the session to. Um, to just ask questions and get into a discussion with, with all of those speakers that have been there as part of the day because we want that to be a really open floor debate and we want people to um, to come along and not only listen but actually to give us some feedback about what they think about how uh, how things are being run and what they think about the question, whose club is it? Yeah, uh, you, you seem to mention a couple of times that, that, that there seems to be a perceived misconception about what the trust is and wants to do. Would you say, would you say that's fair from what you've said? Yeah, I think that's so, fair. So this, this day seems like a perfect opportunity for you to meet people who have any misconceptions or any doubts. Come speak to the people like yourselves who are directly uh, involved with the running of the trust and ask any questions they've got. I'm sure nothing will be off the table. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, So it, it sounds like a fantastic opportunity. And I, I suppose my... My final question would would uh, would be if, if if someone's listening to this podcast right now who has never heard of the trust before, unlikely, but it, it, it happens because you you are on social media, so people should check you out Facebook, Twitter as well. I know you have have uh, you know quite an engagement of followers there. But what what is the what is the aim? What is the ultimate aim of, of, of everyone at this conference in, in Newcastle United Sports Trust? It is eventually fan ownership. It is, it is a realistic prospect, and that's what you're going to explain to people. Yeah. Yeah, 
fan ownership is the ultimate aim of the supporters trust and the supporters trust movement that can come in many ways but that's the ultimate aim and, and hopefully we can engage with people uh, at the session and if people don't want to ask questions we'll, we're going for a pint afterwards and then <laughs> they can feel free to mingle with and have a bit of you chat there and women, but as you say, nothing's off the, the table for questions either. Um, engagement with everybody who comes. Fantastic. Well, I think that about does it for today. Thank you. Um, just a reminder to everybody listening: the, the the venue and the date and time. It's uh, that it's twelve noon on Friday, the 29th of April. Uh, running approximately five hours at the Ellison Building, Newcastle University. For more details, head to the NUST or just nust.org. Um, check out again the supporters trust on on Twitter and social media. We'll post links on our on our profile as well. Uh, so it just remains for me to say thanks to Colin and Peter. And yeah. any questions, I'm sure, can be directed to the guys uh, through the website and through social media. Cheers. Cheers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.